You're listening to The Nature of Things. This episode was originally aired May 24th, 1991. We've just finished a three-week workshop in which Diane Jackson and I work with 15 fourth graders, teaching them something about the aquatic life of central New York. As usual, the kids, a select group from the Oswego City School District, were exceptional. But on balance, I have to say their performance was matched by the aquatic creatures we collected, which were just doing their normal things, so to speak. The list of what we collected, though long, didn't include anything unexpected. Let it be known that we're talking about creepy crawlies here. Very few things were longer than an inch or higher than a quarter of an inch. Included were flatworms, crustaceans, and insects in large numbers. The insect life was most interesting because it was the most diverse, including mayflies, stoneflies, caddisflies, true bugs, beetles, damselflies, dragonflies, and two-winged or true flies. In addition, there were a few amphibians and minnows. A part of our studies explored how these creatures were adapted to life in the water and how they interacted to foster an energy flow that is beneficial to the larger aquatic life, the fish, the amphibians, the reptiles, the birds, and the mammals, that frequent Rice Creek and Rice Pond, and how indirectly we all are benefited too. Most adults confronted with this uh, array of strange-looking, often nondescript creatures would shudder and move the other way. Fourth graders are a bit different, more tolerant of those things that don't quite fit into the polite society's definition of the acceptable. It was interesting to them to look at mayflies and stoneflies to discover how they moved and how they were able to breathe underwater and how they reacted to others, including their own kind. They were interested to hear of built-in plankton rakes, food baskets, and gill suction cups which are part of the survival equipment of some of the mayflies. Their imaginations were challenged, too, by the jet-assisted takeoff devices and the built-in extendable meat hooks of the dragonflies. Some found the varied cases and nets of the caddisfly of interest, too. They examined larval and pupil cases fashioned of sand grains, tiny pebbles, and cut-up bits of vegetation, which constituted the portable homes of the caddisfly larvae. They were not amazed that they would someday emerge from the water, transformed from worms to moth-like adults, and in that condition mate to produce a new generation for the future needs of pond and stream. It is significant, too, that this complex of aquatic creatures is indicative of normal, unpolluted water, despite the fact that Rice Creek, in its eight- or nine-mile course from the Mucklands near Lake Neatawanda, is constantly subjected to injections of contaminants from agriculture, industry, and domestic human occupants of the streamside. And the great water cycle of nature is built a sophisticated system of recuperative mechanism that prevent it from succumbing to the debilitating forces to which it is subjected. There is some comfort in this, but it is important to remember that we wouldn't dare drink the water, and that at any moment the human pressures on Rice Creek could overburden the curative forces of nature. Such events are occurring with regularity elsewhere in central New York and almost everywhere in more urban settings. This is part of our rationale in teaching such strangely esoteric concepts to central New York youth. If they are paying any attention at all to what's going on in other parts of the world, 
they have become aware of the importance of fresh, unpolluted water to all mankind. They hear of acute water shortages in the American Southwest or in drought-plagued regions of Africa. They see the dire results of overpopulation and contamination of water courses in Bangladesh. All we have tried to teach them is how the normal natural system works, as well as the sensitiveness of that system to outside forces. It's my expectation that knowing a bit about the working mechanisms, they will be more intelligent than their parents in assessing the reasons for breakdowns in the system when they reach a point in their lives where such things become important to them. Teaching about the nature of things is not simply for those who react to the beauty and the diversity of plant and animal life. The natural processes comprise our survival net. The physical principles under which they operate define a universal constitution and bylaws for our lives. Now, that's all I have for today. This is John Weeks saying thanks for listening. Tune in next week and keep it natural. Hello.